Hi, I'm Mo Maduro, and this is the Active Life Over 50 Podcast, providing insights and support for your life expansion and self-actualization journey. Today's episode is Conditioning, the place to look for the real clues to high performance. We were talking about conditioning and the unconscious versus the conscious mind. And I just want to bring up some examples that are real world for us. We can start putting this together because it's a big, big part of personal development, self-development, achievement. It's a big part of it. And I would argue that we've looked at it the wrong way for a couple of centuries. And it's understandable. We didn't have the measurement tools available to us in the 1800s that we do now that can tell us what's actually going on between the nervous system and the brain and the mind, etc. One example I use, I've used this quite a bit in working with managers and leaders to build high-performing teams. Now, I personally believe and maintain, and and I've felt this way for probably 20 years, that leadership is more about conditioning than it is communication. And having built multiple high-performing teams, I can attest to the fact that I used the conditioning. That was the whole point, because when you condition the behavior, then the people are doing the behavior whether you are there or not. You don't have to rely on the communication. Now, you may use communication to do the conditioning, but it's not necessary. I'll give you an example in a moment. So once you can layer on conditioned behavior and then layer on more conditioned behavior and layer on more conditioned behavior, it becomes predictable. It's interesting, when I looked back, going back into the early 2000s, when you looked at companies like Intel and Applied Materials, there were certain companies that just kept rising to the top in terms of being some of the better run companies. And when you look at it like that, you start to see the conditioning that's actually in the fabric of those organizations. Now, we could get into a debate about that. That's not the point I want to make here. But I do say this, and I'll say this about every single podcast I make. I've argued both sides of this thing and came up with a position. It's easier than ever now to argue both sides because you can get the information from the internet or from artificial intelligence. But when you argue both sides and then you pick one and you form a formulate a point of view, and then you test that point of view, and you look to see if there's information that will discredit that side. So if you disagree with me, and you have the credentials or experience or results that would justify that there's some depth there, then I'm going to disagree with me too until we figure out who's missing information. So I'm not asking you to take my word for it. Test it for yourself, get get some results, do a few iterations, and, and learn to test without having a bias, and see where you come out. But test it for yourself. The example I've used quite a bit is dolphins. Now, most of us have been to like a sea world, something of that nature where we've seen the dolphins jump out of the water. And you recognize that dolphins don't understand English, just like when you train your dog. The dog doesn't understand English. They put the sound together. They associate the sound of the word sit or whatever it is, and then they know what to do. Dolphins, they may associate the word or the sound. They do not know English. So how do you get a dolphin to jump out of the water at the same time as another dolphin and go the same height. It takes years, five to seven years to train those dolphins. And I'm not a dolphin trainer, so I may get some of this wrong. It's the bigger point. You have to wait until the dolphin is doing something right. It's the same thing when you train a dog. You wait till catch them doing something right. And there's other things. You can sort of create the scenario to get them doing right, and then you praise them. So you wait till the dolphin swims up, and you give it fish. And then you have to wait until it swims up again, and you give it fish. And eventually through a process of reward and wait and reward and wait, you're getting the dolphin to jump out of the water on command. But again, years and years and years. So when you think about it like that and you consider we're rewriting the conditioning from zero to seven to be something that's more useful for us as adults, I would say that you could probably rewrite a lot of the program in about nine months 
if you have some guidance, some coaching, some support, if you're doing it on your own, it could take a lifetime, as you know. There are people who go their entire life and never make a dent on rewriting the program. Frankly, some of them just don't try or, or don't think it's available to them. But now with neuroplasticity, epigenetics, and neurobiology, we can actually change our makeup using some of these tools. So it makes sense to understand what's going on. Getting back to the leadership and the conditioning. So modeling is an important part of this. You, you want to look to how other people are doing it, and then you, know, you ride on their shoulders. That's why reading biographies are so good, because you understand in autobiographies, you understand what the people went through, and you can learn from them. So I did this big modeling project, had Accenture involved, and it was my idea. I was leading the thing. I went out on quite a few of the interviews, and the, the idea was to model the best leaders, to, to understand the internal strategies that they use. The example, I used to teach track driving, not, not really racing, but driving Porsches on the track. I was an instructor. And so you're sitting there in the, the passenger seat directing the person. Well, how do you learn? You learn by picking the brains and watching a driver. I was the one sitting in the passenger seat, and then they watch you, and then you watch them, and you learn how to do it. You model them. You don't have to spend three seasons on the racetrack to get to be their speed. You can actually get there in one season if you have a good job of modeling. But it's an iterative process, and I didn't know it at the time, but using deep practice. Well, this modeling project turned out to be a bust. Couldn't understand why. It worked with sports. It worked when you model anything else, but why didn't it work with leaders? And I didn't know. I, I just chalked it up to whatever. Moved on. I learned from it, but what I was trying to get from it, it didn't work. My, the idea was if you could model what these best of the best do and then give it to other leaders as a package and train them, then they would also be more effective. Now, when you do that with entrepreneurs, self-made entrepreneurs, you can get some very good results and you can see what they've done. Now, here's the difference. If you're modeling somebody who's self-taught and they figured it out. They know the steps. They know the pitfalls. They tell you what they tried, they, and they can tell you what didn't work. When we were modeling these leaders, we didn't get that. In fact, I would go so far as to say they didn't really know why they were successful. Fast forward 20 years and looking back and understanding what was going on, I would argue that a lot of leaders in a corporate world, and the larger the corporation and the more bureaucratic the corporation, the more this is going to be the case, a lot of leaders are put in those positions because they are the right person for that position at the time. I was doing making decisions around leaders and progression. We said that, you know, 70% is going to be relationships. We already know the results are there. So 10%, you knock the cover off the ball. Results are only about 10% of it. So you're not going to do a whole lot, even if you're the best of the best of the best. Results are a small part because you wouldn't be in the conversation if you didn't have the result. Okay, that's fair. The second part, 20%, is the fit for that moment and that time and for that job. And then the other one, and then we're talking at the higher level, directors and officers and that. The other group would be the 70% is how you get along with people, how you can get work done through other people. There's a strong bias towards how the person is conditioned. If you look at leadership training and what actually happens as a result of leadership training versus what the people brought to the table, sales is actually good. I, I was in sales almost all my corporate career in some form. And sales is good because you can test for results and actually see. I spent a lot of time in agencies with small business, you know, frontline stuff, because we tested, we did consulting, we rolled out technology, we wrote different things, right? Customer service, management tools. And so I spent a lot of time with some of the best agencies. And I was also involved in sales training. And when you look 
and see that what these great salespeople do is not necessarily what's being taught. You can hear glimpses of it. The talk tracks are there, but what you actually teach and what's actually done on the front line is different. And all great salespeople will tell you that, that they use the principles, but it's not the word for word. In fact, the book Spin Selling, they talk about that a lot, that you know they recognize that people aren't even using the sales training and the sales training doesn't necessarily lead to greater results. And I and don't come at me for that. I'm, I'm paraphrasing badly the point. I'm making a different point. And that point being that a lot of this has to do with conditioning. My read on what happened, why it was harder to model successful leaders in a corporation is because they are chosen, not because of their effectiveness necessarily. And, and I don't mean that the wrong way. They were chosen because of the relationship piece and because of their the, the fit for that time. Their results may not have been the best, but they were high enough to be in, in the conversation versus when you're measuring the best of the best in athletic situation or the best of the best in the sales situation, you can actually model because you're looking at the results and those other two components are not necessarily factors. In fact, there was a study that I read, and this goes way back into the 90s, uh, actually, yeah, probably early 90s, and they did a comparison between effective managers and successful managers. The definition of successful was they were promoted ahead of their peers. The definition of effective was they got the job done and, and consistently, and they had great relationships with their people, great numbers there, customer satisfaction numbers. They were on point with doing the checkpoints. All of the administrative stuff was being done well, but also the leadership. They, they got the job done. They were the go-to team. The successful managers or leaders, again, were promoted ahead of their peers, but the effective ones, there was only a 10% overlap in this particular study. Now, I'm not saying that's how it was all over the world. I wasn't involved in the study. It was just something I read. The point was there was only a 10% overlap. That was alarming to me because it was basically saying that some of the successful managers, the ones who were promoted ahead of their peers, were not necessarily the most effective. And that sent me on to this long mentoring path of finding effective managers and leaders and mentoring them to become successful leaders so we could get the most effective people also promoted ahead of their peers. And I would say I was successful at doing that. And I've got some good stories, super effective leaders, and then getting them into a place where they could be also successful, promoted ahead of their peers. So anyway, so now, given that there's a 10% overlap, and you look at the experience I had with doing this modeling project, there's some clues there. I would argue that when it's by conditioning, we don't really know why. And I did the modeling myself, by the way, before leading up to that, because I was actually, and that's one of the reasons I wanted to do it, because I wasn't having the results I thought I should get when I was doing modeling one-on-one. I would, I would corner a leader, get some time to talk to them, and just start picking their brain. And it was always interesting how I couldn't really pull out, and, I, and that's why I went with Accenture, organizational design, they knew what they were doing, we had a real strong team behind it. All that to say, conditioning plays a big, big role. And when we're leading people, it's the conditioning of the leader. And I actually would argue that to be a great leader, you, you want to start thinking about becoming a great coach. So leader is coach. To, to, to lead or to build and create a high-performing team, you want to act as a coach. It just makes sense. And we'll unpack that another time. But the conditioning I'm talking about leading upward, getting promoted, there's some conditioning that we have and we have the right behaviors in terms of leading down and creating a high-performing team. The more you can condition the behaviors that you need rather than having them 
perform well when you're around, when you're in their face or out of pressure. That's not sustainable in terms of a high-performing team. You get the conditioning right on the behavior side, then you got like the dolphins jumping out of the water at the same time. If you pay attention to what goes on with those dolphins, that has to constantly be reinforced. So you don't just condition it once and done, but the lion's share of the work is done, and now you just maintain it. So it's worth it to put the time into conditioning the behaviors, and you can look into the self-determination theory. There's a lot of clues there. And I'll do a series on the professional part of the seven fitness areas, and I'll unpack that because there's some very practical tools that you can use, I, things that you can literally start using tomorrow that will help you build those high-performing teams. So that's it on the conditioning. We'll come back to it periodically, but I want to frame that again. And like I said, don't take my word for it. Test it for yourself. Come up to your own point of view. And if you've got the results and credentials, et cetera, by all means, I'd love to have the conversation. If you disagree with me, I disagree with me until we figure out who's missing information. And I want to be able to argue your side better than you can when we engage in that. So I'll do my own research. If I can argue your side, then you're right. Then I'll, I'll concede before we even have a conversation. We'll see you and talk next time. Thank you.